Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Friday edition of Oilers Now. Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years now. For a menu and a list of their 15 Edmonton and area locations, head online, royalpizza.ca or... Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. So lots going on contract-wise in the NHL world over the last few days, perhaps uh, overshadowing in some senses, but maybe not the performance of Team Canada at the Holinka Gretzky Cup down in Red Deer. They are in the semifinal, and they are taking on Finland tonight at about 5 o'clock. For information on that, we welcome aboard Liam Horbin from, from the uh, Nation Network, who's been looking at things in Red Deer for the last several days. Liam, thanks for hopping on the show, man. How's it going? Good, Brendan. It's been a few days in the making, but I finally made it onto the show. <laughs> yeah, we've been grinding away to make this happen because I wanted to get the updates on uh, on what Canada's been up to and and the typical dominance on the international stage. You know that we've sort of come to expect. They had a couple of lopsided uh, early round victories, didn't they? Yeah, firstly on Sunday they beat Switzerland fourteen nothing. I believe it was eight nothing after the first period, and Canada slowed down quite a bit, respecting the opponent, I suppose, and then a big 9-1 win over Slovakia on Tuesday, and then just, just a 3 nothing win over Sweden on Wednesday. So they calmed it down a little bit, but overall just three pretty dominant performance performances from Canada are trying to get another goal here. Yeah, and, and you wonder what it, what it leads to when they have the first real test, quote-unquote, of the competition when they have had the first game, you know, 14 nothing against Switzerland, for example. But uh, that, that Sweden game, you know, what, what do you think they, they proved to themselves? What did you see out of the Canadian side once they faced a, a, a true test there? Um, I think they actually did a really good job of neutralizing the Swiss, the Swiss best player. Uh, sorry, Swedish's best players, and just kind of limiting them. Like they only really had, they only had 18 shots on goal, and like the best chances mostly came on the power play. Like Oscar Stenberg is their best player. He hit the bar, which was pretty uh, a great shot by him. He hit the bar and the post on the same shot. So they've just done a good job of kind of slowing down their opponent and they still managed to get 43 shots themselves on a, a goaltender that uh, on Sweden hadn't played a game yet in the tournament. I don't know if they were resting the other guy, just assuming the Canadians would kind of come out on top, but Eric Olsen did a good job for Sweden, like only three, nothing, but I thought Canada just proved that they are the dominant team in this tournament, to be honest. Chatting with Liam Horobin from the Nation Network about the Holinka Gretzky. Now, tonight's game puts them against the Finns, who I guess finished second in the other group. Um, but another uh, quality test. Who, who on Canada, Liam, has really been standing out so far? 
Well, I think Cameron Allen was uh, the last game there was the one that stood out mostly for me. Like he's easily Canada's best defenseman, and I think he really elevated his game in that one particularly. Like Stenberg, who I said is Sweden's best player, he the time he hit the post was when Allen was in the penalty box, and other than that, he was pretty quiet the whole game. Like I really liked what he's done in that top line for Canada of Zach, ben- uh, Zach Benson, Braden Yeager, and Ethan Gauthier. They've just been dominant all three games. Like even against Sweden, they were they were quieter, I guess you could say, but still managed to get two goals on the board. They're kind of just showing up at big times. And then even when Canada's been on the penalty kill, which has actually been quite a bit in this tournament, a guy like Colby Barlow, he's two short-handed goals. He's been a massive threat for them, short-handed, and just it just it doesn't matter what aspect of the game Canada's in or what situation. Like they're just kind of proving that they're the better team and finding a way to create offense or limit offense for the other team. Just looking at the roster right now, and one of the names that that stands out as a not like a junior A player would be Matthew Wood, who through the preliminary round had a, a point a game there. What what have you seen from him that kind of makes him a cut above the junior players? Yeah, well, I believe he had 85 points last season as a 16-year-old with Victoria Grizzlies, and obviously we're both junior A guys know how difficult that is to do, and he's an impressive player. What I liked about him the most, and he stood out the most to me against Sweden. I just thought he really was able to utilize his body and, like, create offense for himself and, like, get inside, but also, like, find ways to involve his teammates. So that's what I like the most about him is he's he's a very intelligent player. Like he's not going to blow you away with his speed, but he's he's smart enough to figure out what his strengths are and he utilizes them really well, I think. Uh, tell me about watching Braden Yeager. I, I feel like this is a player that a lot of eyes have, are going to be on, continue to be on. He's leading Canada in scoring or is tied with Callum Ritchie there. Four goals, four assists through three games, and a, a member of the Moose Jaw Warriors, or somebody that you know listeners to this show may well even have seen over the course of this WHL season. Yeah, I think I think he's just a true power forward. Like he skates pretty well. His shot is so lethal. Like you just can't give him any space, otherwise he's going to beat you. Like he's proved that a few times now in the tournament, and he's is a real driver of the offense. And I think what's best about him is like. Just whenever he gets the puck, it feels like something's about to happen. And like you said, like he's not gonna—he's not just gonna skate around everyone with elite speed like McDavid or someone like that. But he's strong enough to just kind of get his way around and utilize his teammates. And I think with Ethan Gauthier and Zach Benson, the three of them are just for a line that has never played together before. They've been able to find so much chemistry so quickly, and they're all three of them just know where each other's going to be, and I think that's really helping Jaeger and the other two just thrive in this tournament so far. There's quite a few of the Western Hockey Leaguers having some success right now with this team, aren't there? Yeah, like, I believe Western Canada's going to have a really, really good draft coming up. Like, there's a couple of guys in this draft, too, that aren't even on there. Like, Lukas Dragicevic from Tri-City is another one from Western Canada that didn't make this team and went fifth overall in the WHL draft a few years ago. Like, Another player like Tanner Mullendike, I really like his game. Unfortunately, he got hurt in the last game. Hopefully, he'll be back tonight. But he's an intelligent player, can really carry the puck and uh, get around defense uh, forwards, defensemen, whatever it is. Caden Price is another one who's just intelligent with his stick, I found earlier in the tournament, like really good at breaking up plays. And then against Slovakia, like used it to create some offense. Like he had a great assist on Braden Jaeger, just putting it 
right on his stick in the crease for Jaeger. Like, he really couldn't have missed it even if he had tried. And then, you know, Riley Height, he has three goals. And I would say has the goal of the tournament so far. And it was the 14th goal against Switzerland. <laughs> He's a guy actually played with Jaeger in, uh, when they played in Saskatchewan together. So, you know, there's a lot of guys on this team who it's just so skilled and I know you mentioned Andrew Crystal he's probably right up there with the top guys on a skill level and it's just there's a very talented group coming out of Western Canada this year and you know if you're a junior fan I would recommend going watching some of these games and seeing these kids play Okay, so we mentioned Cameron Allen already as we talk with uh, Liam Horobin from the Nation Network about the Holinka Gretzky going on in Red Deer right now. Uh, I saw the hit that Allen took in that game against Sweden. He got crunched into the wall, and then as he was skating back over to the bench, he, he kind of basically slashed or speared the guy. He got the penalty on the ice. No supplemental discipline expected for the Canadian captain? No, I haven't seen anything on that end of things. I, I think, I guess they just realized it was a bit of a, a dumb play on his part. Emotions got the best of him. So not not from anything I've seen anyway. And sometimes goaltending for Team Canada can be a story in the wrong sense, at least in recent memory. But uh, obviously a couple of guys pitching some uh, pretty good goaltending performances there as well, just looking at the goal differential that Canada's worked to over three games. Yeah, and honestly, you know what? The goalies, it's not like they're just getting dump-ins and that's not padding the stats. I think both of them have had to make like three or four saves in the games they've played that are actually really good chances, especially early in the Switzerland game. Canada was, you know, it is like at the start of tournaments, you come out, you're excited, you're a little loose, and Switzerland were on the power play right away, and there was a chance immediately that Ratzlaff had to come across, and great save on his part, and the one goal they conceded against Slovakia, like, to the Slovakian forward's credit, I can't think of his name right now, but it, it was a fantastic goal. And that's just kind of what it's had to be for them to, to like get, concede a goal. Like even when they played um, Finland in their pre-tournament round, they didn't concede then either. And, and they allowed eight power plays and 25 shots, you know? And I guess the point is, it's not been easy for the goalies is what the stats might say with less than 20 shots in all three games. Another couple of Western leaguers, Ratzlav, actually from Irma, Alberta. And there you go, a member of the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds. So, uh, Liam, this was awesome to catch up and, and talk some hockey with you, man. Appreciate the insight and uh, enjoy the rest of the tournament. Five o'clock between Canada and Finland, right? Yep, five o'clock on the, on the TV there. So thanks a lot for having me, Brendan. I'll be enjoying the game and hopefully watching Canada go on win the 23rd gold medal in the Helenka Grips. That would be incredible. That's Liam Horbin once again from the Nation Network. Uh, okay, 143 here in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers now. Brendan Escott with you for one more day anyway. We're going to shift gears to the Edmonton Elks when we come back. Dave Campbell, color analyst, going to join us and tee up week nine between the Elks and the BC Lions. Yes, they have some avenging to do for uh, that 59-15 week one loss. They're going back to Vancouver to try and slay the demons. We'll hear about it when we come back on Oilers Now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Wrapping up the show here, 146 in Edmonton. We've been talking flames. We've talked a little bit of Kyler Yamamoto and just heard from uh, Liam Horobin from uh, the uh, the Nation Network. Find him on Twitter at Liam Harobin and uh, and breaking down Canada's performance so far, which has basically been, I would say, up to par against the opponents that they've faced. And that'll hopefully continue tonight against Finland. Hard to believe that USA hockey is only competing in the fifth place game. A bit of a letdown there on that end. A letdown in week one for the Edmonton Elks. It was a big loss in BC, 59-15. to 15. Weeks later and light years ahead of where they were at that point with a different looking team, I would suggest. But that's how I feel about things. We'll bring aboard Edmonton Elks color analyst here on 630 Chad Dave Campbell for some more thoughts on that Dave you're joining us from Vancouver I hear it is uh, nice and sunny here which maybe people in Edmonton don't want to hear but take heart uh, <laughs> the nice weather is uh, moving in this week in Edmonton so that'll be nice when I get home on Sunday wonderful well hopefully you get to enjoy some quality football though it'll be played indoors but that stadium housed a whooping back in uh, in week one and uh, I think that there's a lot that the Elks have improved on since then perhaps just health being the main one Oh, for sure. I mean, you look at the last two weeks, Brendan, they have been able to take eight players off of uh, a long-term injured list, which is a six-game injured list. And last game, it was uh, Niles Morgan at the middle linebacker spot, and then Deron Carter in the reserve role. He'll play at safety uh, tomorrow. And then this game, you have Darrell Walker, Kyle Loxley back in the receiving core. And Loxley's important for the starter, Taylor Cornelius, because he's going to perform the short yardage uh, quarterback duties. Then on, on defense, you have uh, Jake Ceresna back off the sixth game. Then you have uh, Nafis Lyon, only a two-game stint on the uh, sixth game. So that's important. you got help on special teams. And uh, linebacker now converted boundary corner, Jordan Reeves. And uh, Tanner Green as well at the fullback, and he'll start at fullback tomorrow. So, and then you got you know you got Coney Ely in the lineup as well. Who's uh, and if if anyone doesn't know who Coney Ely is, look up Wikipedia and then go search Super Bowl Fifty because he was a monster in that game, even though it was a loss. Uh, the Carolina Panthers to Peyton Manning and the and the Denver Broncos. He was a pretty good Carolina Panther. So yeah, they, they're a lot different than they were in Week One for sure. And you just even look on offense. I mean, they have two different tackles on offense. They have a new starting quarterback. They have a new receiver on the on the field side, Chris Osikusi. And then on defense, there's a number of different changes. And it couldn't have got any or much worse than 59-15. And 59 points is the most ever uh, points allowed by this club in franchise history. That was a nightmare. Just continuing on the injury front here, so much promise for Trey Ford and then all of it taken away with just one tackle is now on the six-game injured list. Seems like forever since we've seen him. What, what's the update there? Well, the update is, uh, so they expected that he was going to be available for this game, and, but the shoulder injury just isn't quite healed up yet. So what they have done, and I had no idea he could do this, but the Elks have put Trey Ford on the 16 injured list retroactive. So I believe that means this will be his third game on the 16. So that allows him to save the money on the cap because he was on the one game injured list prior. And of course, that money goes on the cap. So I think there's a comfort level with Taylor Cornelius, who has won a game and lost a game as a starter. But, um, you know, Brennan, you, you watched him last year like I did. And we watched him in two games. There seems to be a different sort of uh, operation to Taylor Cornelius. So I think the club is comfortable in Taylor, and they're going to give Trey Ford just the extra time to heal. 
Now, on the other side of things, it's been what like what a season for Nathan Rourke thus far is leading the Lions to the second place in the West Division. I don't know that anybody's going to knock down Winnipeg from from the title in the West at this pace, but you know, it's it's amazing watching what he's done. They get Brian Burnham back by all accounts this week. That's that's going to add fuel to an offensive fire that already is boasting the likes of Lucky Whitehead. So, you know, the defensive secondary that you were talking about getting some new bodies, I think that'll be very welcomed yeah no question about it and, and you know i thought nathan work was kind of falling back a little bit and of course he got crushed and the lions got crushed as a team by the by the bombers a few weeks ago and even you know a couple weeks ago the the, the lions won 17 12 over the hamilton tiger Cats at home and i didn't think work played very well in that game but then he comes out and i mean my goodness they were down 17 4 to the riders at mosaic last last friday and then they they proceed to outscore the line or the riders twenty eight nothing the rest of the way. And Nathan Rourke put on a show. I mean, his his movement in the pocket is impressive. And you know, I, I call Zach Caleros the best. You know, the, the best has the best mobility in the pocket as far as far as able to change three angles. Well, Nathan Rourke must have heard me because he put on a show last week. You know, his his ability to stay in the pocket and understand that he's a thrower first, but then when he needs to rush. Uh, he can, but he only has, I think it's six escape runs this year. That's that's low. So he's staying in the pocket, and they have so much designed runs for him, of course, anyway. But I think another story is the defense. I mean, to shut out Cody Pichard on the riders to the tune of zero points in a you know two-and-a-half quarters in that 28 nothing stretch, it's impressive. Yeah, they've got some scary pieces on that defense. Uh, Lucius Purifoy, he's got these gloves that look like Pennywise the Clown. I don't know if you saw those. It just, yeah, it's freaky. It's terrifying, <laughs> right? Like as if it wasn't a scary enough backfield. Um, let's talk about the backfield uh, with Anti Litre getting, uh, I guess he's listed as the starter, and then uh, Malik Irons as well. The Elks run game is, has been a non-factor, I would suggest, for most, if not all, of this season. Still no James. James Wilder Jr. back there. You know how do you how do you balance not throwing the ball every single time you're out there with the fact that you're really running a couple of fullbacks out of the running back spot? Yeah, and if I get the the sense from Chris Jones that I think he wants Stephen McAdoo to be more committed to the run game. And you know, Malik Irons only had four carries for 20 yards, but you know, I know Chris Jones is going to circle and look and throw it and see McAdoo's face. Not that he's upset at him necessarily, but he'd say, "Look at that five yard average. We finally got a five yard average." out of a running back this year. So I would expect we're going to see, you know, when Litre has, has played, he's played well. Uh, Lyons showed a little bit of flash and dash that I think that this team needs out of the running back position. Uh, they got to find a way to get, to get going and get it uh, consistent because you're right. You, you can't expect your quarterback to sit, sit back there and throw over 40 attempts a game. And, that, and some games you're going to have to, but, uh, you know, I think you need a run game to dominate and, and to help Taylor Cornelius in the offense for sure. So uh, I think we're going to get a steady diet of Leach, right? I think we're going to see Irons as well. And uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens here. It's just been it's been frustrating because this, this is a, a staple of a Stephen McAdoo and even a Chris Jones coach team is they're going to run the football and they're going to run it down your throat. They're going to dominate you physically. hasn't happened so far. Now, coming out of the bye week, I know this has been a benefit for teams across the league this year, having pretty good results. Do you get the sense that there was a good energy at practice over the course of the week, that these guys are ramped back up? 
you know, it, it was kind of a strange week for practice because two days they had the last day. They had to go indoors because of rain. And uh, some people might go, well, why are you going indoors? And they can't play what's on the lane. And I don't think practice is the rain on Sunday. But uh, I think, you know, the, the case is you just want to make sure that you don't have any soft tissue injuries, no hamstrings, no, you know, no quads, no groins and, and the injuries and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I know there's a stat in the game notes this week. The Elks are one and four in their last five games coming off the bye. None of those games were under a coach named Chris Jones. And Chris Jones with an extra week to prepare for the BC Lions and Nathan Work in their offense and, and even the coaches uh, to prepare for the defense. I'm really curious to see what we're going to see tomorrow night. Thanks so much, Dave. We'll talk to you during the pregame show. It kicks off at about 6.30. Thank you. Dave Campbell, the Elks color analyst here on 630 Chad. Uh, just about does it here. Let's look at this day in Oilers history for our friends at New West Travel. Back to 2014 we go. The Oilers hired analytics blogger Tyler Dello on this day. He was running a website at the time called mc79hockey.com. He was a lawyer in Toronto who uh, gained notoriety by bringing more light to the NHL's termination of referee Steve Warren through Colin Campbell's emails, the leaked ones, you may remember. Uh, Dello has gone on to roles with The Athletic and the New Jersey Devils as vice president of analytics as well. Uh, yeah, you've got a football game coming up week nine tomorrow night, the countdown show hosted by yours truly at 6.30, kickoff at 8 o'clock. Not expecting any Oilers news over the weekend, but the last bit of business they'll be looking to clean up is uh, well they do have two I suppose remaining restricted free agents Ryan McLeod and Tyler Benson as well they will have um, this is kind of a weird buyout period that's been activated not really worth mentioning but we have a minute here another 48 hour buyout window starts in two days now has to be a player over four million dollar AAV so it's it's not going to be a situation where they use that it'll be a situation where they move out the deal of say Warren Fogle for example uh, yes a Playarvi and maybe a less likely case and in even a less likely case than that could see Tyson Berry on the move. Up next, we've got a global news weather traffic update with Evan Cook, followed by Angela Cocott from 2 to 3 p.m. and then 6.30 Ched Afternoons with guest host Ted Henley. It's been fun. Bob is back on Monday. We'll be live then. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend. It's Brendan Escott saying so long from the 6.30 Ched Studios.